Book One, Canto Six, The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book One, The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross. Canto Six. From lawless lust by wondrous grace, fair Una is released, whom salvage nation does adore, and learns her wise behest. As when a ship that flies fair under sail, an hidden rock escaped hath unawares, that lay in wait her rack for to bewail, the mariner yet half amazed stares at peril past, and yet in doubt no dares to joy at his full happy oversight. So doubly is distressed twixt joys and cares the dreadless courage of this elfin knight, having escaped so sad ensamples in his sight. Yet sad he was that his too hasty speed the fair Jewess had forced him leave behind, and yet more sad that Una, his dear dreed, her truth had stained with treason so unkind. Yet crime in her could never creature find, but for his love and for her own self's sake, she wandered had from one to other end, him for to seek, nor ever would forsake, till her unawares the fierce sans loy did overtake, who after Archimago's foul defeat, led her away into a forest wild, and turning wrathful fire to lustful heat, with beastly sin thought her to have defiled, and made the vassal of his pleasures viled, yet first he cast by treaty and by trains, her to persuade that stubborn fort to yield, for greater conquest of hard love he gains, that works it to his will, than he that it constrains. With fawning words he courted her a while, and looking lovely, and oft sighing sore, her constant heart did tempt with diverse guile, but words and looks and sighs she did abhor, as rock of diamond steadfast evermore. Yet for to feed his fiery lustful eye, he snatched the veil that hung before her face before, then gan her beauty shine as brightest sky, and burnt his beastly heart to force her chastity. So when he saw his flattering arts to fail, and subtle engines bet from battery, with greedy force he gan the fort assail, whereof he went possessed soon to be, and win rich spoil of ransacked chastity. Our heavens, that do this hideous act behold, and heavenly virgin thus outraged see, how can ye vengeance just so long withhold, and hurl not flashing flames upon that pain bold? The piteous maiden, careful, comfortless, does throw out thrilling shrieks and shrieking cries, the last vain help of woman's great distress, and with loud plaints importuneth the skies, that molten stars do drop like weeping eyes, and Phoebus flying so most shameful sight, his blushing face in foggy cloud implies, and hides for shame. What wit of mortal wight can now devise to quit a thrall from such a plight? Eternal providence exceeding thought, where none appears can make herself away. A wondrous way it for this lady wrought, from lion's claws to pluck the griped prey. Her shrill outcries and shrieks so loud it did bray, that all the woods and forests did resound. A troop of fawns and satyrs far away within the wood were dancing in a round, whilst old Sylvanus slept in shady arbour sound, who, when they heard that piteous strained voice, 
in haste forsook their rural merriment, and ran towards the far rebounded noise, to wheat that white so loudly did lament, unto the place they come incontinent, whom when the raging Sarazen espied, a rude, misshapen, monstrous rabblement, whose like he never saw, he durst not bide, but got his ready steed, and fast away gan ride. The wild wood-gods arrived in the place, there find the virgin doleful desolate, with ruffled raiments and fair blubbered face, as her outrageous foe had left her late, and trembling yet through fear of former hate, or stand amazed at so uncouth sight, and gin to pity her unhappy state, or stand astonished at her beauty bright, in their rude eyes unworthy of so woeful plight. She more amazed in double dread doth dwell, and every tender part for fear doth shake, as when a greedy wolf through hunger fell, a seely lamb far from the flock does take, of whom he means his bloody feast to make. A lion spies fast running towards him, the innocent prey in hast he does forsake, which quit from death yet quakes in every limb, with change of fear to see the lion look so grim. Such fearful fit assayed her trembling heart, no word to speak, no joint to move she had. The salvage nation feel her secret smart, And read her sorrow in her countenance sad. Their frowning foreheads with rough horns are clad, And rustic horror all aside do lay, And gently grinning, show a semblance glad To comfort her, and fear to put away. Their backward bent knees teach her humbly to obey. The doubtful damsel dare not yet commit Her single person to their barbarous truth, but still twixt fear and hope amazed us sit, late learned what harm to hasty trust in sooth, they in compassion of her tender youth, and wonder of her beauty sovereign, are wont with pity and unwanted ruth, and all prostrate upon the lowly plain, do kiss her feet, and fawn on her with countenance fain. Their hearts she guesseth by their humble guise, and yields her to extremity of time, so from the ground she fearless doth arise, And walketh forth without suspect of crime, They all as glad as birds of joyous prime, Thence lead her forth about her dancing round, Shouting and singing all the shepherd's rhyme, And with green branches strowing all the ground, Do worship her as queen, with olive girl and crowned. And all the way their merry pipes they sound, That all the woods with doubled echo ring, And with their horned feet do wear the ground, leaping like wanton kids in pleasant spring, so towards old Sylvanus they her bring, who with the noise awakened cometh out to weak the cause, his weak steps governing an aged limbs on cypress stadle stout, and with an ivy twine his waist his girt about. Far off he wonders what them makes so glad if Bacchus' merry fruit they did invent, or Kibberley's frantic rites have made them mad, they drawing nigh unto their god present, that flower of faith and beauty excellent, the god himself viewing that mirror rare, stood long amazed and burnt in his intent, his own fair dryope now he thinks not fair, and for lowy foul, when her to this he doth compare. The wood-born people fall before her flat, and worship her as goddess of the wood, and old Sylvanus self bethinketh not what to think of white so fair, but gazing stood, in doubt to deem her born of earthly brood. Sometimes Dame Venus' self he seems to see, But Venus never had so sober mood. Sometimes Diana he takes her to be, But misseth bow and shafts and buskins to her knee. By view of her he ginneth to revive His ancient love and dearest Sipparis, 
and calls to mind his portraiture alive, how fair he was, and yet not fair to this, and how he slew with glancing dart amiss, a gentle hind, the which the lovely boy did lover's life, above all worldly bliss, for grief whereof the lad nod after joy, but pined away in anguish and self-wild annoy. The woody nymphs, fair hamadryads, her to behold do thither run apace, and all the troop of light-foot naiads flock all about to see her lovely face. But when they viewed have her heavenly grace, they envy her in their malicious mind, and fly away for fear of foul disgrace. But all the satyrs scorn their woody kind, and henceforth nothing fair but her on earth they find. Glad of such luck, the luckless lucky maid, did her content to please their feeble eyes, and long time with the salvage people stayed to gather breath in many miseries, during which time her gentle wit she plies to teach them truth which worshipped her in vain, and made her the image of idolatries. But when their bootless zeal she did restrain from her own worship, they her ass would worship fain. It fortuned a noble warlike knight, by just occasion to that forest came, to seek his kindred and the lineage right, from whence he took his well-deserved name. He had in arms abroad won muchal fame, and filled far lands with glory of his might, plain, faithful, true, and enemy of shame, and ever loved to fight for ladies' right, but in vainglorious phrase he little did delight. A satyr's son, born in forest wild, by strange adventure as it did betide, and there begotten of a lady mild, fair Thyamis, the daughter of the bride, that was in sacred bands of wedlock tied, to Therion, a loose, unruly swain, who had more joy to range the forest wide, and chase the salvage beast with busy pain, than serve his lady's love, and wast in pleasures vain. The forlorn maid did with love's longing burn, and could not lack her lover's company, but to the wood she goes, to serve her turn, and seek her spouse, that from her still does fly, and follows other game and venery. A satyr chanced her wandering for to find, and kindling coals of lust in brutish eye, the loyal links of wedlock did unbind, and made her person thrall unto his beastly kind. So long in secret cabin there he held her captive to his sensual desire, that with timely fruit her belly swelled, and bore a boy unto that salvage sire. Then home he suffered her for to retire, for ransom leaving him the late-born child, whom till to riper years he gan aspire, he nursled up in life and manners wild, amongst wild beasts and woods from laws of men exiled. For all he taught the tender imp was but to banish cowardice and bastard fear. His trembling hand he would him force to put upon the lion and the rugged bear, and from the she-bear's teats her whelps to tear and eke wild roaring bulls he would him make to tame, and ride their backs not made to bear, and the roebucks in flight to overtake, that every beast for fear of him did fly and quake. Thereby so fearless, and so fell he grew, that his own sire and maester of his guise did often tremble at his horrid view, and oft for dread of hurt would him advise the angry beasts not rashly to despise, nor too much to provoke, for he would learn the lion stoop to him in lowly wise, a lesson hard, and make the libbard stern, leave roaring, when in rage he for revenge did earn. And for to make his power approved more, wild beasts in iron yokes he would compel, the spotted panther and the tuskered boar, the pardale swift and the tiger cruel, 
the antelope and wolf both fierce and fell and them constrain in equal team to draw such joy he had their stubborn hearts to quell and sturdy courage tame with dreadful awe that his behest they feared as tyrant's law his loving mother came upon a day unto the woods to see her little son and chanced unawares to meet him in the way after his sports and cruel pastime done when after him a lioness did run that roaring all with rage did loud require her children dear whom he away had won the lion whelps she saw how he did bear and lull in rugged arms without an childish fear the fearful dame all quaked at the sight and turning back gan fast to fly away until with love revoked from vain affright she hardly yet persuaded was to stay and then to him these womanish words gan say our saturnine my dearling and my joy for love of me leave off this dreadful play to dally thus with death is no fit toy go find some other playfellows mine own sweet boy in these and like delights of bloody game he trained was till riper years he wrought and there abode while any beast of name walked in that forest whom he had not taught to fear his force and then his courage haught desired of foreign foemen to be known and far abroad for strange adventures sought in which his might was never overthrown but through all fairyland his famous worth was blown yet evermore it was his manner fair after long labours and adventures spent unto those native woods for to repair to see his sire and offspring ancient and now he thither came for like intent where he unawares the fairest una found strange lady in so strange habiliment teaching the satyrs which her sat around true sacred law which from her sweet lips did redound he wondered at her wisdom heavenly rare whose like in woman's wit he never knew and when her courteous deeds he did compare gan her admire and her sad sorrows rue blaming a fortune which such troubles threw and joyed to make proof of her cruelty on gentle dame so hurtless and so true thenceforth he kept her goodly company and learned her discipline of faith and verity but she all vowed unto the red cross knight his wandering peril closely did lament nor in this new acquaintance could delight but her dear heart with anguish did torment and all her wit in secret counsel spent how to escape at last in privy wise to saturnine she showed her intent who glad to gain such favour gan devise how with that pensive maid he best might thence arise so on a day when satyrs all were gone to do their service to sylvanus old the gentle virgin left behind alone he led away with courage stout and bold too late it was to satyrs to be told or ever hope recover her again in vain he seeks that having cannot hold so fast he carried her with careful pain that they the woods are past and come now to the plain the better part now of the lingering day they travelled had when as they far espied a weary wight for wandering by the way and towards him they gan in house to ride to wheat of news that did abroad betide or tidings of her knight of the red cross but he them spying gan to turn aside for fear as seemed or for some feigned loss more greedy they of news fast towards him do cross a silly man in simple weeds forworn and soiled with dust of the long dried way his sandals were with toilsome travel torn and face all tanned with scorching sunny ray as he had travelled many a summer's day through boiling sands of araby and ind and in his hand a jacob's staff to stay his weary limbs upon 
and eke behind his scrip did hang, in which his needments he did bind. The knight approaching nigh of him inquired tidings of war and of adventures new, but wars nor new adventures none he heard. Then Unigan to ask if aught he knew or heard abroad of that her champion true that in his armour bare a crosslet red. I me, dear dame, quoth he, well may I rue to tell the sad sight which mine eyes have read. These eyes did see that knight both living and eke dead. That cruel word her tender heart so thrilled that sudden cold did run through every vein, and stony horror all her senses filled, with dying fit that down she fell for pain. The knight her lightly reared up again, and comforted with courteous kind relief. Then won from death, she bade him tell in plain the further process of her hidden grief. The lesser pangs can bear, who hath endured the chief. Then gan the pilgrim thus, I chance this day, this fatal day, that shall I ever rue, to see two knights in travail on my way, a sorry sight, arranged in battle new, both breathing vengeance, both of wrathful hue. My fearful flesh did tremble at their strife, to see their blades so greedily imbrue, that drunk with blood, yet thirsted after life. What more? The Red Cross Knight was slain with Paynim knife. Our dearest Lord, quoth she, how might that be? And he the stoutest knight that ever won. Our dearest dame, quoth he, how might I see the thing, that might not be, and yet was done? Where is, says Saturain, that Paynim's son, that him of life and us of joy hath reft? Not far away, quoth he, he hence doth one, for by a fountain, where I late him left, washing his bloody wounds that through the steel were cleft. Therewith the knight thence marched forth in haste, whilst Una, with huge heaviness oppressed, could not for sorrow follow him so fast. And soon he came, as he the place had guessed, whereas that pagan proud himself did rest, in secret shadow by a fountain side. Even he it was, that erst would have suppressed fair Una, whom when Saturain espied, with foul reproachful words, he boldly him defied, and said, Arise thou cursed miscreant, that hast with knightless guile and treacherous train fair knighthood foully shamed, and dost vaunt that good knight of the Red Cross to have slain. Arise, and with like treason now maintain thy guilty wrong, or else thee guilty yield. The Saracen, this hearing, rose amain, and catching up in hast his three-square shield, and shining helmet, soon him buckled to the field, and drawing nigh him, said, Ah, misborn elf, in evil hour thy foes thee hither sent, another's wrongs to wreak upon thyself, Yet ill thou blamest me for having blent my name with girl and traitorous intent, that Red Cross Knight for thee I never slew. But had he been, where erst his arms were lent, the enchanter vain his error should not rue, but thou his error shalt, I hope now proven true. Therewith they gan both furious and fell to thunder blows, and fiercely to assail each other bent his enemy to quell, that with their force they pursed both plate and mail, and made wide furrows in their fleshes frail that it would pity any living eye. Large floods of blood adown their sides did rail, but floods of blood could not them satisfy. Both hungered after death, both chose to win or die. So long they fight and fell revenge pursue, that fainting each, themselves to breathe and let, and oft refreshed, battle oft renew, as when two boars with rankling malice met, their gory sides fresh bleeding fiercely fret, till breathless both themselves aside retire, where foaming wrath, their cruel tusks they wet, and trample the earth, and whilst they may respire, then back to fight again, 
new-breathed and entire. So fiercely when these knights had breathed once, they gan to fight return, increasing more their puissant force, and cruel rage at once, with heaped strokes more hugely than before, that with their dreary wounds and bloody gore they both deformed, scarcely could be known. By this sad Una, fraught with anguish sore, led with their noise, which through the air was thrown, arrived where they in earth their fruitless blood had sown. Whom also soon, as that proud Saracen espied, he gan revive the memory of his lewd lusts and late attempted sin, and left the doubtful battle hastily to catch her newly offered to his eye. But Saturain with strokes him turning stayed, and sternly bade him other business ply, than hunt the steps of pure and spotted maid. Wherewith he all enraged, these bitter speeches said, O foolish fairy's son, what fury mad has thee incensed to hast thy doleful fate? Were it not better I that lady had, than that thou hast repented it too late? Most senseless man he that himself doth hate to love another. Lo, then for thine aid here take thy lover's token on thy pate. So they to fight, the whilst the royal maid fled far away, of that proud Paynim sore afraid. But that false pilgrim, which that leasing told, being indeed old Archimage, did stay in secret shadow, all this to behold, and much rejoiced in their bloody fray. But when he saw the damsel pass away, he left his stunned, and her pursued apace, in hope to bring her to her last decay. But for to tell her lamentable case, and eke this battle's end, will need another place. End of Canto Six, Book One, The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross.